So that's what I'm talking about. Now, I realize, unfortunately, that most of us, we don't believe in that kind of prayer. All right, so if we did, we'd have this amazing rhythm and practice of praying, and we would be going for it, and we would see answers to prayer. But we kind of, we just have a hard time stepping into that space because we're not convinced totally that it really works. And the reason we're not convinced is we prayed for stuff and it didn't happen, right? If I believed that every time I prayed, God was going to answer my prayer, I would pray all the time, right? Everybody in this room would pray all the time. If we believed every time we prayed, God was going to answer the prayer, we would pray all the time. So there's, there's a disconnect there. We're not fully convinced that when I pray, God's going to answer the prayer. So I want to I read something. Well, I need to read something from Luke because I, I couldn't possibly um, preach without reading something from Luke at some point. So I'm going to read this parable that Jesus tells and, and then make some comments. He told them a parable to this effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. This is the point of the parable is so that we would always pray and we would never lose heart. He said, a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected people. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice for my adversary. And for a while he refused, but after a while he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect people, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continually coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? I'll get to that in a second. So we, we have a hard time believing that if we ask, we're going to receive. But I want to, let, let me frame it for a second. God, at His core, is love, right? And love is a very relational word. It's a very relational You can't have love without relationship. I don't know what it is. It's, it's a vibe, otherwise. So, so love is about relationship. God desires relationship with His creation, with the people that He created. It's foundational to what we believe if you're a follower of Jesus, right? So, so God desires relationship. Relationship is impossible if one side, one person has zero power at all. So if I have no power in a relationship, there's not a relationship. If what I say and what I do does not affect you in the least, that is not an interpersonal relationship. That's just kind of a de definition of relationship. There has to be something that I do and say that affects you, that causes you to respond or to move or to change. And if that's not there, we don't have a relationship because it's a, you can't have a relationship with someone who's totally powerless. That's something else. It's not a relationship. So God's designed it so that when we speak, and when we act, it actually affects him. It affects him. And sometimes it, it, it makes him move. It makes him act. And sometimes it makes him 
change his mind about what he's about to, to do. Now, when I speak and act, it never changes the character of God. Who he is is always who he is, always. And it doesn't change the big picture of what he's going to do, uh, the big picture of, of how God is going to move in this world, and that one day his kingdom is going to come. It's going to come in his fullness. That's a, that's a done deal. He's for sure going to do that. But it sure does change and affects how he moves here, now, in this room, and in your life, and in my life, without a doubt. And when you look at Scripture, over and over in Scripture, God says, in, I was just reading Ezekiel, oddly enough, in, 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 in my quiet time, and, and at one point God says, I was looking for someone to stand in the gap, stand in the breach, so I wouldn't have to destroy you, and I couldn't find anyone. God was looking for someone to act, to speak, to do something that would stop him from doing what he was going to do. And later on, or actually earlier, but the psalmist refers back to Moses and uses the same word. Moses stood in the gap, stood in the breach, and saved his people. From whom? From God. All right, so the actions of people actually affect what God does. And then you get to the New Testament, Jesus is over and over saying, you need to ask. If you ask, you'll receive. If you don't ask, you won't receive. And, 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 and James says, you don't have, he's echoing Jesus' words, you don't have because you don't ask. If you would ask, you would have. And in Jesus, when he taught us how to pray, the prayer, he says, pray this, pray the God's will would come, that it would be done. Really? My prayer, your prayer, our prayer has something to do with God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven? Well, that's the prayer that we say all the time. But I'm not sure we actually believe that when we pray that prayer, something happens. That it actually... This is a Pentecostal word. It actually releases the will of God. It causes it to happen. Now, I know we're not fully convinced of this, so we need to get there with it. Um, otherwise, we won't do it. Here's, like, you probably no doubt can tell I lift weights. Um, so I go to the gym, and I lift weights. And I do that because I'm fully convinced that it makes a difference. Like, I'm going to be 55 next month, and I'm losing testosterone as we speak, and I'm losing muscle mass, right? So I know that if I go to the gym, and I, and I go through pain, I push my muscles you know, into that space of, of fatigue and overwork, then they'll recover, and I will retain, I'm, not, I'm nowhere, like, I know my time is over. I'm just trying to hang on, right? I'm trying to hang on, because every movement that I make requires a muscle. <laughs> I mean, every move we make requires some kind of muscle. I would like to keep moving all the way until I die. So I'm fully convinced that going to the gym, lifting weights, is going to allow me to keep moving all the way to the end of my life. I don't really care about being muscly all the way to the end. Although it'd be kind of cool if I was 90 and really muscly. <laughs> But it doesn't matter that much. I'm fully convinced that's true. So I've I developed a rhythm and practice of going to the gym. I just do it. And 
I have certain times of the week, certain times of the day when I go up, when I'm doing well, and I'm fully convinced. Flip side of that, uh, we're a superfoods family um, in my home. Well, at least one of us is a superfoods family. And one of the superfoods that we're really keen on in our house is spirulina. It's a superfood, and apparently it does all this amazing, wonderful things to your body. But I'm not convinced. I'm not fully convinced that if I drink spirulina every day, that it's going to change my life and make me a whole new being. So, because, have you ever tasted spirulina? <laughs> no, 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 you haven't. You've tasted those drinks that say spirulina on them, but have 0.001% spirulina in it but you can still taste it. That's how bad it is, right? So they have to put all this other fruit in it in order to make it palatable. Well, we just do the straight stuff at our house, and I'm not fully convinced that it's gonna change my life. Therefore, I have not developed a rhythm and practice of drinking spirulina. And frankly, I can't tell the difference in my life because of it. We have to be fully convinced that a rhythm and practice of prayer, the kind of prayer where we're saying, God, this has to happen in the world. This absolutely has to happen in the world. We're not fully convinced that if we pray those prayers, they'll be answered. And the reason we're not convinced is because we've prayed those prayers and they haven't been answered. And so we gotta figure out, well, how does that work? What do we do with that? And I, I don't have, I wish I had like the answer. This is totally why. Because the bottom line is prayer, there's so much going on that we don't understand. It's, it's, it's complex. We can see with our eyes physical stuff, but there's a whole other world going on. And scripture talks about actually a whole other world that's in conflict going on that we can't always see with our eyes. And it affects things. And so you go through scripture and you kind of look at, you look at some things, some, some different things that God encourages us when it comes to prayer. And, and, and he talks about his will. Okay, it means we need to pray according to his will. Well, what's his will? Well, I kind of know some of the stuff, but I don't know all the stuff all the time what God wants to do. So I'm trying to pray according to his will. And then there's faith. This faith is involved. It's like, okay, faith is, well, whose faith? My faith, your faith, somebody else's faith? And the answer is yes. At times it's my faith or your faith or somebody else's faith, but there's no formula for how that works all the time. And then there's, we have stories in scripture about angels being involved in prayer and demonic spirits being involved in prayer, and then the number of people and, and, and how often we pray, and it's confusing. And we just don't know the whole big picture. We don't. And so sometimes things aren't answered, and we don't understand why, and we lose heart. And we say, it doesn't work. But in that passage that we read from Luke, Jesus, he points out at least one thing that needs to happen. And one thing he says is you've got to keep praying. You have to keep, one of the ingredients for this thing to happen is, is persistence. It's persistence. I think about that. What if, let's, let's say there's some parallels between the spiritual world and the physical world. 
hypothetically. Actually, there are. So that's why I said, let's just say there are. And, and make, what if, if we picture it like we, got, we have this big, big tree, like a big redwood tree, just huge, and I'm going to chop it down. And so I grab an axe. This is all theoretical because I've never chopped down a tree. But theoretically, I take this axe and I go, and I hit it once, and then I go, oh, it didn't work. Chopping doesn't work. <laughs> Chopping does not work. I chopped and it didn't. The tree's still standing. Chopping doesn't work. Well, you look at it and go, well, that's silly. Well, how many times do you have to chop to make a redwood tree go down? I don't know. A billion? I don't know. How many times? But what if someone's chopping from the other side, too? Well, that would, that might speed it up a little bit. Well, what if, what if a bunch of people were chopping? Well, then somebody's going to get their arm cut off. So that's a bad, bad, bad example. What if it's a rock? What if I'm trying to lift a rock and I can't lift, I can't lift it? I can't lift it, but somebody else comes along and, and maybe we can, maybe another person, and pretty soon we have enough to get it off the ground. What if, what if there's some parallels there with prayer? With, with chopping a tree down and knowing, oh, actually, I, I have to chop this for a long time before that thing's going to go down. Or actually, I need lots, we need lots of people. We need lots of people to pray. What if it's like that? I mean, Jesus kind of says it's kind of like that. And the example he uses here is of a corrupt judge and a widow. And a widow is someone who's totally vulnerable in that culture. And, and she, she's being oppressed and she wants justice. And this corrupt judge doesn't care about anyone. He's like this powerful person and she's almost powerless. So what she says and does doesn't affect him at all. And yet, and yet, she wears him out. And, and Jesus, his, his example here is pretend God is like that. Pretend your father is like a corrupt judge. Now the rest of Jesus' teaching shows us the meaning behind this parable. The meaning behind the parable is actually God's not like that. He's the opposite of that. So how much more will he deliver justice? But pray like he's, he's, he's not going to do it. Pray like the only hope you have is to wear him out. This is Jesus. Jesus is telling us how to pray like this. He's saying, oh yeah, you need, to, you need to approach God like your only hope is to wear him out. By asking him all the time. But then if I caught a glimpse of God's character, the way Jesus speaks about his Father over and over and over in the Gospels, where he's saying, oh, you have a really good Father. You know that stuff that you do in secret? He sees it. He knows how many, how many hairs you have in your head. You can totally trust him. You can trust him to the point where you can have this ridiculously anxiety-free life where you don't even worry about what you're going to eat and drink. That's how amazing your father is. That's what he's really like. 
So pray like he's a, he's a corrupt judge, but no, he's actually not like that. And he will come through for you. He will. If we were convinced that a rhythm and practice of prayer for the stuff out there, if we were convinced that every time we prayed, it mattered. If every time we prayed, we knew for sure God heard us and it made a difference, even if we didn't see it. If we were convinced of that, we would be praying all the time. And if we were praying all the time like that, you know what would happen? We would think, see things change. And I need to step into this space that I always step into when I'm, when I'm here, this space about evangelism. What if parts of our prayers were, Lord, let these people see who Jesus is. Let them see how amazing you are. I had a friend who, was, who was, um, lived in Amsterdam and was doing ministry there, in the, I think in the early 80s. And he had this team together, and they went out into the clubs, and they went every single night. It was like their full-time job to go out into the clubs and tell people about Jesus. And they did it for a year and a half and never saw anyone give their lives to Jesus. But they developed this rhythm of prayer where every week they would go out kind of outside of Amsterdam into the, to the countryside, into the forest, and, and they would pray all night long and they made a list of every single person they met. So they had names of every single person and they would pray. And they would pray over every single person. And they did that every week. They would do these all night prayers and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed for people. For a year and a half, that's hard. That's hard work for a year and a half, doing an all night prayer for all these names of all these people that you desperately want them to know Jesus and nothing happens. But they kept doing it. And eventually, eventually, they saw some breakthrough. And this friend of mine is running around the world 30 years later, and he stands up in front of people and he invites people to know Jesus, and every single time he preaches, somebody gives their life to Jesus. Every single time. I've never seen it not happen. I think, okay, there's this, there's this faithfulness that's involved, this rhythm, this practice of prayer for those people out there. And I, and I use the example of, of bringing people to Jesus because I know that's on God's heart. I know that's his heart. And when we know him, then we know that's his heart and, and, and we get to see people step into that space as well. Now, I know some of you are real passionate about some, some other things, and I'm saying, let's develop a rhythm and practice of prayer around those things that we want to see change. And let's not give up. Let's just say, all right, for the rest of my life, I don't care if I don't ever see anything, I'm going to keep praying for this. Because this is how God created the world, and this is how it works, and I'm going to keep praying. Now, I know that when we pray like that, God moves us to action. So it's not ever going to be just praying and not doing anything. God is in eventually going to move us into a space of action. Almost, almost always. I know that's part of the deal. What if we develop a rhythm, practice of prayer around those things?
Now, I know some of you do, but I want to, I think we just should, we need to ramp it up. Because our world is in trouble, right? I mean, there's some beautiful things happening in lots of different places, but there's horrible things happening. But we get to step into this space, into that gap, into the breach. And we can say, no, it's not supposed to be like this. No. We have to be convinced that our prayers matter. I'm telling you, they matter. They absolutely matter. On my good days, I'm fully convinced of that. And I step into that space. And on my bad days, I just go to bed. <laughs> I, I know that, that God's at work in your midst as a church. But I also know that you have this season together and you don't know how long it's going to be. Like you don't know how long this season is going to last of you guys being together right now. So squeeze the most out of it. And pray. Pray. It matters. Every prayer. Every prayer matters. God hears every single one. Every single one makes a difference. Even if I don't see it. Should we pray? Let's pray. Hamish, do you want to... sure how to do this tonight. Do you, do you want to stand up? Would that be okay? And if, I guess if some of you, like if you have stuff that you've given up praying for, that you feel like, oh, I've just given up. I've given up on this person or I've given up on this situation. I want to invite you to have some courage to step into, into that again. And say, no, I'm, I want to pray for this person again. I want to pray for this situation. And maybe, I, I don't, I know that some of you probably aren't followers of Jesus or this might be new and praying with people is a little weird, but um, I think you guys are getting used, you're pretty used to weird here anyway, so you might as well step into that and pray. Um, and if anybody wants to, like, wants people to pray for them, I know uh, in the back there, we have a couple people who want to pray for people, you know, and Kirsty and Richard will pray for people. I will pray for some people if you would like. Um, but maybe grab somebody next to you. And I just want us to, I want us to resurrect those things that have died. That we think, oh, my prayers didn't work. I just want us to step into it again. Because I think our prayers tonight matter. So Lord, I, I, we just invite your Holy Spirit to lead us in prayer and as, as we worship you and as we pray for each other and pray for the people and the situations that you put on our hearts. Lord, give us faith to believe that you're a good father 
and that you delight to give good gifts to your children, and you invite us to ask. And so we want to we ask tonight, and we want to stand in the gap. So help us, Lord, help us to pray.